0: As we mentioned at the end of the previous year, we will start and literally just start the halachas of Bishul, Shi'ir, Chazorah, T'mana, etc., which are ex- probably the most uh, applicable halachas of Shabbos for a woman. But before we do that, we have to go through the routine of doing Chazorah of last week's, two weeks ago, she, which is just the final, the final halachas in Hilchos Kiddush. So we'll try and get through that quickly, and then we will give a background to Hilchos Bishel and try and start the halachas. We discussed in the previous year that if a person only has one cup of wine, which to last him through all the Friday night, Kiddush, Shabbos morning, Kiddush and havdalah, he should ideally leave that cup of wine for havdalah and make Kiddush on the bread. Since one can't make Kiddush on the bread, he should do that. If however he has beer in the house, then he should use the beer, because everybody agrees he can use beer for for Havdollah, you should use a beer for Havdollah and then use a cup of wine for Kiddush.
1: somebody hasn't got enough money to buy both
0: the food for, for Suda Shabbos or, and a cup of wine, he only has enough money for one, then
1: if he has bread already,
0: so he can wash and partake of some element of a meal, then he should buy, preferably buy wine with his money. He has no bread at all and it's a choice of buying uh, the challah or the wine. Then he should buy challah because that way he can fulfill both mitzvahs. You can eat the bread as part of the suda and make kiddush on the challah as well and be mechay mitzvah's kiddush.
1: We then, then learn that the kiddush of night comes
0: before kiddush of day. If you only have one cup of wine which will suffice for either one of kiddush of night or for the kiddush of the morning, the kiddush of the night takes preference because that's got an element of deraise to it and we take on the kiddush of the night is minhathayah. Somebody who'd washed already for hamati and got, sat down and made the brotha on the bread and then before he ate he realized he hadn't made Kiddush which I suppose can happen on a busy Friday then he realized he hadn't made Kiddush he shouldn't make Kiddush then and there on wine because that would constitute a uh, half-circuit break between the washing and the bracha and the eating what he should do is he should continue with Kiddush as if he's making Kiddush on the bread and then just eat the bread as normal and he's kind his mitzvah of Kiddush more practically, so the halakha of Kiddush from we went into depth the Mitzvah of Kiddush must be said right next to the Suda of eating. A Suda Sudha what we have will come to, will come to in a minute, but it's got to be almost immediately straight after washing one's got to immediately straight after making Kiddush, one's got to immediately eat a, a Suda without any break at all. The Kiddush makes a suda also tells also turns out that it's got to be in the same place as where the Sudha is. It's got to be immediately as... Following the Kiddush immediately it's got to be followed... Sorry. Kiddush is got to be followed immediately by a surah and it's got to be in the same place as the Kiddush. So, in one room, one, can't, one should really ideally be standing at your seat when the person who making kiddish makes Kiddush. If you're standing around the room, from in one corner of the room to another corner of the room, that's also considered the same lochum and that's fine. If you're in two different rooms, then we know the Anachas aren't so straightforward. If you had intention... When you have Kiddush in one room, to move to another room. Or, you could see the other room from the room that you have Kiddush in, then that's with the effort, that's okay, you don't have to go and make another Kiddush if you want to go and eat in the other room. L'chapchila, however, you should make Kiddush in the same room that you are going to eat in. If, however, you are in a different room and you can see the room that you're going to be eating in, plus you have intention to change rooms straight out the Kiddush, both those ingredients together will allow you to make Kiddush in that situation, L'chapchila. If you didn't eat anything at all after like Kiddish, Kiddush, you're not going to your be Kiddush, because Kiddush has got to be the Makrim If you haven't eaten, it's not the Makrim Sudha. As we said, it's got to be immediately. What immediately means is a big maklake, as we discussed in the previous year. Uh, the Mishnah Brewer takes on, it's got to be as, as immediately as possible, what he calls Miyad. The, the other say, the, the, the word Miyad means the time it takes for you to forget about the cup of wine that you've just drunk, that the benefit of the wine is worn off, which is a, a short time. And the Akashur can stretch it a little bit more. And he says... It means as soon as one can, but he gives a little bit more time to play with straight after Kiddish. But ideally, one should be eating as quick as one can straight after Kiddish. That means if you have guests, you shouldn't be discussing uh, the latest news straight after Kiddish. You should go straight from Kiddish to wash and come and sit down and eat. If a person needs Kiddish without any intention to eat, but he did eat straight away, he's, he is related to his sort of Kiddush. he has to fill of Kiddish because there's no halachah You has to think about the eating when you're making kiddush the halakha is you have to eat straight after kiddush as long as you've eaten that's fine any break between the kiddush and the suda which is the us the suda which is for the sake of the suda for instance you need to go and get a challah knife or some salt or whatever it may be that doesn't constitute a break and that is completely permitted if a person made kiddush and intended to eat straight away but then Something happened that forced him to leave the room for a minute. He needs to be excused, or something of that effect, which he didn't know about beforehand, and was forced to make that break. Straight after kiddush, as long as he comes back as soon as the break is ended, and he comes back and eats straight away, that's fine. But the evidently doesn't have to make another kiddush. But to just just to have a break for no reason at all, that would that would be, require him to make a new kiddush again
1: don't that a person
0: can be Mechadish for somebody else, one person can make Kiddish for another person, even though that the person who is making Kiddish doesn't really want to make Kiddish now and has no intention to be Mechadish in the mitzvah of Kiddish now, and even more so, he's not even going to eat now, he's just going to make Kiddish purely for the person who is listening, and the person who is listening is going to eat, then the person who listening is yesh to Kiddish, it doesn't matter if the Mechadish is not fulfilling the Mitzvah of Kiddish with his Kiddish. So that's
1: that ideally only should only be done if the people who are listening
0: are people who can't make Kiddush themselves. If they can make Kiddush themselves,
1: then they should
0: make Kiddush themselves. This applies also to someone who's already been yoke to Kiddush. He's already fulfilled his midst of Kiddush and wants to make Kiddush for, the, for somebody else who hasn't yet been yoke to Kiddush again. If the person can make Kiddush himself, he should. If not, then one can make Kiddush for someone who hasn't. Even if you've heard Kiddush, you can make Kiddush for someone who hasn't heard Kiddush at all. Now, what exactly constitutes a suda? We discussed uh, in the previous year at length. There's four, four shifters, four views of what's called a suda. The most strict view is what the Vim the Gaon takes on, and the simplest understanding in Shurpanach is that one has to eat bread. You have to eat a suda of pap, Pah is considered a suda. According to the Gaon, if you don't eat bread, you're not yet to be midst Kiddush. That's the most strict view of what Kiddush is. The next view, which is which is taken on by almost everybody in the world, and that is mine tagima pas pure mezainis, proper mazenas is considered pas, and therefore you can make kiddush and eat uh, a kisayis from mazenas pas. You have you've been yet to your mitzvahs kiddush. Mazenas means mezainis, does not mean cake. It means mazenas. So uh, a shahako cake we learned last in two weeks ago. shahako cake is not considered cake. So on Pesach for those who don't eat gebroch, those who I'm not sure if anybody in this room it doesn't, but those who don't mix matzah and together with water, and therefore cannot make, Mazenus cakes on Pesach, cannot make Kiddush on the Shahakuk cakes, they will have to wash.
1: The third shittah
0: is the shittah of the Goenim, that you can make Kiddush on a cup of wine, which ideally means that you make Kiddush, and then drink another whole cup, a Reviis of wine, and, and the, the Reviis of wine is considered your Suda, and that's called Kiddush Bumakam Suda. That is a shittah which we rely on, but the evidence, there's no other way around it, you have no Passover Kishnah, or you can't eat cake, or you can't wash, then Bediyevah, you can make Kiddush on a cup of wine. Even more Bediyevah, but it's still within the category of the, the Goenim is if you can't drink a full Revis of wine, you can include the Mali lugma of the Kiddush that you're drinking as part of your Revis. But that's also Bediyevah, that's a Abad, even in the Bediyevah. So ideally you should be washing. Next is, which is what the, the, what the world does, is cake. After that is a separate Revis of wine. If you can't manage that, then a release of wine, which includes the, what, the wine that you drank for Kiddush, and the fourth shitha, which is only to be used in, ex- in dire circumstances, is to rely on what we call the or the shilta gibarim, that, that fruit is considered a suda as well. That can only be used in a real desperate situation, a chayla, etc., something like that, who can't eat, and, but can eat fruit, then one can make Kiddush and can rely on the fruit to be considered, yeah, part of the Kiddush, to be considered a suda we then learn that the halachas of Kiddush apply both to the person who is making Kiddush and to the person who is hearing Kiddush all halachas of Kiddush, Mosem Shudah, all apply to the one who is listening as much as the one who is making Kiddush the one who is listening in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Kiddush has to hear every word of Kiddush every word literally means every word and make sure there must be no break in the Kiddush that means they mustn't speak during Kiddush we went through the list. We'll run through it very quickly. Of when, if a person did speak, when it would, they would be required to make kiddush again, when it would suffice with the kiddush that they're listening to. The person spoke during vayichulu. We said since vayichulu is not part of kiddush, it doesn't matter. They have fulfilled the mitzvah of kiddush, and that's fine. If they spoke
1: after the barukh prayer,
0: before the mikvah, has started the bracha of kiddush. As we learned, the Vaikullah is the first part of Kiddish, which is not Kiddish, then you have the Boriphagophan, then you have the brach of Kiddish. If you spoke after the Bori before the Mitsub before the of Kiddish, you do not have to repeat Kiddish, but you would have to repeat the Bori Pra if you are going to drink wine at the end of Kiddish. If you spoke at the beginning of the brach of Kiddish, that's in the Borakat Hashem of the or you spoke at the last the, the final few words of Kiddish, that's Borkhatashem Kadish Ashabos, you have to repeat the Kiddish. So the first few words, the last few words, even if you heard every word, you have to repeat the Kiddush. If you spoke in the middle of the Brochah, that means the Makadosh was making Kiddush, and in the middle you happened to speak. If you still heard all the words of Kiddush, you do not have to repeat Kiddush. If you didn't hear all the words of Kiddush, you were going to have to repeat Kiddush again. So that's the levels of heftig that we discussed in the previous year in Kiddush. Hopefully no one talks during in Kiddush, so hopefully they're not applicable. Uh, the Shemayi has to answer main. those who are listening to Kiddish must answer Amen at the end of the bracha, and they shouldn't answer Baruch or Shemayim because Baruch Bar constitutes a break we then went very briefly just for the last few minutes of share into a few halachas of one or two of them which uh, I got quite a bit of flack from the basic halachas were that one makes halachas on Friday night with Lech and it's going to be two complete chalas two complete chalas means complete chalas if they have a break or a crack in it a cut or a crack, as long as they are held together well and won't, won't fall off if you lift, lift up the weaker side, that's considered the whole challah and that's fine, that's called the shalim.
1: If you don't have a shalim, you only have one
0: shalim, then you should take two, take one shalim and a, a non-shalim challah and make kiddush on both, with the evidence that's okay. If you don't have challah but you have again a whole cake, pasha boba kisnin, with the other, that's just as in kiddush it's called suda. Paso Baba Kittin, if you convey a sudo on it you may come so with the average you can use complete cakes
1: as, uh, as
0: your Lechem Mishnah, as a Shalom and you'll, you'll be making your Mitzvah of Lechem Mishnah Fro- he, he ate, or? any Mezayinus any Mezayinus doesn't make a difference as long as it's Mezayinus it's Paso Baba Kittin, you, you can you can be the average use it as the Lechem Mishnah.
1: frozen challah
0: we said last week if you don't have your fresh challah out if you forgot to take it out of the freezer frozen challah is still called a Shalom and can be used for Lechem Mishnah
1: when one starts
0: making the bracha on the khala you make a sign on the challah. During the week, one cuts the khala slightly on Shabbos. You don't want to ruin the so You just make a erasium, a sign of the cut on the khala, And that's the colour that one cuts after the bracha. Friday night, we discussed, we learned that ideally the, the marked colour should be underneath and the non-marked challah should be on top. In order not to get around the problem of Ein Maririna and mitzvahs, you should place the marked colour which is underneath, slightly closer and the Slightly away, and then you should take the closer one which is the lower chale, and use that to cut that's according to Kabbalah for Kabbalah you should have the map color the one that you're going to use below on Friday night every other Yom Tif or Shabbos meal Shabbos morning Yom night Yom morning you always place the one that you're marking the one that you're going to use on top and that's the one you cut after the bracha we also learn that you don't pass the bread from hand to hand on, on, uh, at the meal so that's the sign of velus, so you just you place it on the table and let the recipients uh, take it themselves and finally in this one I got a lot of flack from one shouldn't throw bread around and some people complain that they have the minik to throw the bread and I said I shan't argue with the minik ok so that brings us to the end of Hilch's Kiddush and the basic halach of B'chir's HaPas of B'chir's HaMaiti now to move on to Isobishl M'vashil is one of the lamatess Malachas and it's, we're really coming up to the first of the lamatess Malachas The reason why we're doing bishul first is because as you go through the order of Friday into Shabbos, the first melacha which really comes to effect, which affects the, the woman in the kitchen, is the halacha of bishul. And it's not directly the halacha of bishul which affects the woman; it's the halacha of shihiyah and Chazar and atzmona, which is the first Malachah that a person's going to, that a woman's going to meet and that's how the Shulchan Aruch runs through the Seder of the Shabbos almost, almost the first halakha the first malakha that the Shulchan Aruch comes to is the uh, halakha of Bishul, indirectly through the halakhas of Shihir and Hazar. and we'll discuss it all at, at length and we'll, we'll try and take it slowly because these are very important halakhas and they're quite complicated if you thought Kiddush was complicated this is really complicated and this is really applicable to all ladies inside the kitchen and therefore we really have to be clear and slow so if I am going too fast or you're not clear please do ask because they are very very important halakhas so the, the, the Lamatess Malaka that we are discussing now is Bishal. Bishal was found in the of Migdash. Every Lamatess Malaka, every single one of the Lamatess Malakas must have been in the Mishkan. It's the Malakas that were in the Mishkan that became, became Oster, became the others, became the Lamatess Malakas. And in the Mishkan, they cooked. They didn't bake. They cooked in the Mishkan. And they, what they cooked in the Mishkan was the dyes, the summer morning. They used to cook the dyes. Dyes needed to be heated up and cooked before they could be used. So before they died, any of the Bagadim or any of the... Uh, the covering, coverings of the mishkan they would boil up these big pots of dye and that constitutes the malacha of bishal boiling cooking is the malacha of bishal baking is a derivative of the malacha it's the same malacha you are doing the same thing you are taking something which is uncooked and cooking it that's also the malacha of bishal roasting also goes under the category of bishal. now there are many 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 halachas and we will discuss them each one at length as I when we get through the halachas of Shia and Hazara and Atmana. there are many many halachas of Bishel, different areas of Bishel and different applications of Bishel and different ways to be mavassal different things that can, be, that can become cooked um, for instance a pot on the fire is the simplest method of cooking placing food into a pot that has been he- that's been heated on the fire which is not on the fire at the moment but it's been heated on the fire you can also constitute the halacha of bishul. the pot on the fire is called a kelly rishon placing food into a kelly rishon and the food becoming hot is called Bishel a kelly sometimes can be Bishel, sometimes not. Kali Shlishi is rarely called Bishel. Different, different areas, pouring from a Kali Rishan, that's pouring from the pot, that's on the fire, or you've taken up the fire now, pouring it on top of food can also constitute Bishel. Pouring from a Kali Shani, perhaps isn't Bishel. And all these different categories we will discuss at length when we get there. I just want to run very briefly through the broad spectrum of what you might come across in Bishel, because it will come up periodically through the analysis of Shia and Khazar. But then we will discuss all the Different elements of Bishel, each one separately. So Bishel is cooking, cooking in a kailurition, on a pot, cooking inside the kailurition, pouring from a kailurition, pouring from a kailurition, whether the the stream, is that what it's called? If you want to call it a stream, in Hebrew we call it a kiluach, where the stream is still connected, or even if the stream has been disconnected, all those can constitute in certain cases Bishel, Bishel minataya, proper Bishel a Bishel cooking your food. Things which have been cooked already sometimes can constitute bishel, sometimes can't. Sometimes you can recook food and it will be called a bishel. Sometimes you can recook food and it will not be called a bishel. For instance, uh, again, a rough example, a dabi yavish, a dried fruit, food which has got no wetness to it. For one an example, a kugel is probably a good example, a dry fruit which has already been cooked. It's been cooked in the juice, it's been cooked in water, it's been baked in water, which is called cooked. That's it's a, a, a food which has been cooked cannot be recooked if you heat it up on Shabbos put it back in the oven on Shabbos you have not done a bishul de Raisa. you have been over other Yisurim but you have not done a bishul de Raisa. something which is wet a soup which is the easiest example if once it's cooled down it's become completely cool then we take on that there is bishul. and according to some that, that would constitute a bishul de Raisa according to others it wouldn't constitute a bishul de Raisa, and that's not called bishul. and these halakhas are going to come up all these different differentiators do come up in everyday halakhas so sometimes we will consider it Bischel and we won't allow you to return something to a pot because it will be Bichel, some to, to a fire because it will be Bischel. Sometimes we will allow you to return and each case has to be taken by itself, looked at separately because you've got to take the whole picture into, into, into account until you can actually decide what this, which category this fits into and what one can do with it. So again, as I say, we're giving a very brief overview of what Bischel is and we will come back to all our lockers one by one, better shown sure when we do Bischel properly. Baked foods is already cooked, but it's not cooked, it's baked. And something which is baked, can it be recooked? If you take a, a bread and then boil it on the pot, in, on, on the gas, is that called cooking? Or do we say something which has already been, it's dry, something which has already been baked can't be cooked? Again, that's the makwekas, so and we take them after baking one can cook,
1: after roasting one can cook, now after
0: cooking can one bake, after cooking can one roast. These are all halakhas which we will discuss at length. But again, you can see the complexity of Urkos Bishel. I've just given a very brief outline because what we want to try to get to is to what, what we call the Rabbanam of His Bishol, which is not really Bishol, it's where Chazal uh, uh, forbade us to do certain actions which are similar to Bishol, but aren't really actions of Bishol. Some of those actions, Chazal, Chazal said, is also because it looks like Bishol. Some of them are also because by, by doing the action, you might come to do an action which is normal during bishul. So, sometimes, as I will say, do not place a pot on the fire, or do not place something inside the pot, because that looks like you are actually cooking. So, Midrash we will call it cooking, and we will forbid you to do that. Sometimes, as I will say, don't place a pot on the fire, because we're worried that if you place it on the fire, you will think you're cooking, and therefore you might come to stoke the fire, as they would have done in, in the old days. So, we're going to discuss now different levels of food, which exist, practically different levels of cooked food, different types of heats, which were around in the time of Chazal, and all those are applicable in in modern day heating, modern day cooking, it's all there, in different forms of course, but we will find it and we will try and give you the parallels into modern day cooking. So the halacha we want to focus on tonight, and that's the only one halacha we want to focus on tonight, and hopefully we will get through it and get through it clearly, is the halacha of shihir. The first halacha which you will meet in the kitchen is, as it's just before Shabbos, you want to place your pots on the fire and leave them there to remain hot for the Friday night meal and for your Shabbos morning meal. May I, uh, am I allowed to leave a pot straight on an open fire to stay warm, to cook, perhaps even finish cooking, and be ready for my meal, Friday night, ready for my meal, Shabbos morning. That's what we call in Chazal, which the Shochemar, the Gemara calls, the halacha of Shehia. placing the pot on the fire before Shabbos, and keeping it there, not touching it, you're not returning it to any fire, you're just leaving it there, you do absolutely nothing to it. You've left it on the plane, and you intend to leave it there, till the time that you need to take it off, and then you're going to take it off, and eat it. What halakhas surround the halakh of Shia? Is that mutta? Is it osa? When is it mutter? When is it osa? At what foods is it mutter? And with which foods is it osa? Which lighting, which heat source, allows one to do that, and which heat source does not allow you to do that. So to understand all that, we're going to discuss different levels of food, cooked food, different levels of food which have been cooked to a different degree, and then different levels of sources of heat, different types of sources of heat, and then we'll put them all together and we'll try and quantify the halakas of shihir. There are, let's just, let's just to categorize it, five levels of food, of cooking food. You have a food which is fully cooked, and continuing to be cooked, so you have cooked your food, it's completely cooked, ready to eat, perfectly cooked, but you are keeping it on the stove and you want to cook it longer. Sometimes cooking a food longer is beneficial, sometimes it is not beneficial. There are foods that when they are fully cooked, if you continue to cook them, they will shrink and shrivel and they will begin to digress. They will become less edible than they were at the point of complete cooking when the cooking was complete so you have food which is completely cooked you're continuing to cook it that's what we call in the Lashon of Gemara in the Lashon of Chazal something which is mid-stomach very it's mit stomach it will shrink and it's raw alloy. it's not good for the food it's not ideal that's not really what the food should be the food ideally should be eaten at the point of complete cooking not with continuous cooking so that's the first level that we're going to come across is foods which are cooked completely cooked when they are continued to be cooked Emit stomach virale. I might just by mistake end up talking about my mitz- stomach and my mitz- stomach virale, So you, uh, you, uh, you'll understand the terminology. Histomic mitz- stomach virale means it shrivels and it's not good for the food. It really isn't beneficial for the food. That's the first level of cooking that we're going to come across, of, of cooked food that we're going to come across. The next is the same thing, a cooked food, but the extra cooking through it shrivels. But the more it shrivels, the better the food becomes. Right? The more it cooks, the better the food becomes. So let's give an example, you tell me, sharp at me if I'm wrong, an example of, I would assume of a virale, a food that if you keep it cooking, it's not good for it, it's probably a roast chicken, if you roast a chicken and you keep it roasting, and the longer it roasts, the drier it gets, and the more scribbled and dry it gets, the less edible it becomes. That would constitute a food which is stomach virale, is that correct? Right, okay. I've never roasted a chicken in my life, but... I'm just assuming that's how it works.
1: Uh, a Mistambic right? a
0: food which the longer you cook it, the more beneficial it's going to be to the food, and the better tasting it's going to be. Again, I'm not much of a cook, but I assume a challenge is something which is stomach Viopolo. The longer it cooks, the, the better it becomes. Soup could be either. Some soups, when they boil longer, are better. Some soups will start boiling away, and you end up with just less soup. So the extra cooking is really bad food. So each food has to be taken into, it, in, in, into account, each food, you've got to look at each food separately and decide, does it fit into the category of mid-stomach virale, does it fit into the category of mid-stomach virale? Those are the two extreme levels of cooking at the top end of the, end of the spectrum, ready cooked foods, you're continuing to cook them, sometimes it's not beneficial for the food, sometimes it is beneficial for the food. The next stage is the food which is exactly cooked, it's cooked completely, Nispachal Kul Sarko, it's reached the point of cooking that it doesn't need to be cooked anymore. Yes, you can cook it, perhaps for its benefit, perhaps to its detriment, but it's reached that point of complete cooking. It's completely cooked through and through. That's called Nisbashal Cal Sarko, a food which has been completely cooked. The fourth category is a food which has been cooked, but not fully cooked. Now in, in the Lachlan Chazar it's called a food which has been cooked to Michael Ben Drusoy. Ben Mr. Ben was a gentleman who liked to eat his food in a semi-raw state and he would eat his food according to some Rishonim when he was halfway cooked and according to other Rishonim when he was a third cooked. So we're going to take on the Halefa as halfway cooked it's called Michael Ben Drusoy. the evidence in certain circumstances we can be made on a third cooked but let's for argument for argument's sake we'll talk about a food which is cooked half. It's not fully cooked Everybody will cook it longer in order that it should become this special cold sake. It should be fully cooked. It is halfway cooked, but you can't call it a raw food. It is cooked. It's cooked to the level of kamarho soy That's the fourth level of food. And, of course, the next one is a food which has just begun to cook. It's not fully cooked. Closer to being raw, than cooked. So it hasn't yet reached the stage of kamarho soy It's begun to cook, but it's not cooked as well, and of course you have the sixth one, which doesn't need mentioning. That's foods which have not been cooked at all.
1: So <stressful> the five levels of the
0: food is mit stomach ve'ralay vi- stomach vi- <rising apologies> the Obs Por- No, the time thai- the, the, the the say a, it takes a, a roast chicken three quarters of an hour to cook fully. In your I take three quarters of an hour. My I take an hour and a half. Right. The level of complete cooking when it's completely cooked. You've got to work it through half. It's not in time, it's in physical cooking. So, a food which is halfway cooked is halfway cooked. It's not raw and it's not fully cooked. Um, how you exactly measure the halfway mark, don't ask me. But the, there are foods which are halfway cooked. I think if, you, if it was, if you took it out halfway through the cooking process, you'll probably see that it's halfway cooked. So, you have my stomach virale, we have my stomach viacolo. We, we have stomach which is perfectly cooked, no, no more, no less than perfection. We have something which is cooked, which is past the halfway mark of cooking, and something which is only begun to be... To be, to be the, the cooking process has just begun. It hasn't reached even the third or the halfway mark. Those are the five levels of cooking that we have in practical food.
1: Now, in the time of
0: Chazal, there was three different types of fuels which existed now if you try to imagine in time of Chazal an oven an oven was and we're not going to, there's many types of ovens in the time of the Gomorrah many different types of ovens and they all have different halakhas but we're only going to discuss the oven of Chazal which is applicable to our ovens nowadays and all our ovens nowadays constitute really go into the category of one single oven which is called a kira a single oven of the time of Chazal not any of the other ovens that the Shulchananth discusses so without having to bog us down with different historical ovens we're going to describe one single oven in the time of Chazal and that's really the oven, that, that that's what our ovens are all called. They all go into the category of this oven. So if you think about an oven in the time of Khazab, I'm sure you've all seen pictures, it's really like some sort of cylinder, a larger cylinder with a, a large straight straight cylinder, n- no angles to it, just a straight cylinder with a large hole on top, which you would, you would place your pot on top of that hole, and in the side you'd have a little hole where you would put your fuel, light the fuel, and the heat would rise through the cylinder and hit the, hit the pot at the top and heat your pot through. So you'd have this oven, A round oven, a round cylinder with your pot on top. You're not placing, we're not talking about an oven where you place things inside. That has a different hallmarker to what we're discussing here today. We're talking about a kira is an oven where you place the pot on top of the oven and the fuel is inside underneath the pot. So it's more or less a cooker, a modern day cooker, that instead of having the fuel, an electric or a gas fuel at the top, you have your fuel at the bottom and the fuel rose up through the cylinder and hit the pot and heated up the pot. Now, the different types of fuel that we used in the time of Chazal are really three types. Are about it, it, it I've described to you that the, the, the kira is this cylinder where you put your pot on, you on. The heat. The heat coming out of the, the underneath. The kira is the whole cylinder. The cadera is the pot. A cadera goes onto a kira and it cooks it's,
1: it's a like a hub it's a type of a hub
0: we are placing the pot on top of this yes we are placing it on top of this cylinder so it's, it's an old fashioned hub it's not really a hub it's an old fashioned hub but in our in altars we are talking about everything our advent, our hub. that's what I said to you all our ovens and all our hubs and everything are constitute are going into the category of Akira so I'm describing to you what they did in the old days and then we're going to use the halakas of Akira and try and compare them to to our our, our ovens all our ovens, and all our ovens have the same halacha they have the halacha of this cure whether you place the fruit inside the oven whether you place it on top of the oven it makes no difference in the time of the it made a big difference because they had different ovens for placing things in and different ovens for placing pots on and they had all different types of ovens for placing pots on they had double ovens and single ovens like we have nowadays they had the works right the way through in the old days as well but each oven was shaped different and they had a different halacha some ovens the heat were, was more intense some were less intense Etc. So therefore, the lots is different between each oven. But the oven that we're discussing is a single cylinder with a pot on top, the fuel inside, and the fuel would heat through the cylinder and heat the pot on top. A type of a, uh, uh, I don't know, a hub. Call it, call it, describe it how you like. Now, the, the fuel that was went inside the oven. There's three types of fuels that can go inside the oven.
1: They're,
0: they're mainly and largely, what most people use was a wood that, when burnt, turned into coal. And that coal is what heated up the oven and heated up the pot, heated up your food in the pot. So that's uh, a type of wood, any wood that will turn into coal, that's the standard heating fuel that was used in the oven, is a wood that turns into coal. You have other woods which were used which didn't turn into coal, they were used sometimes. That's a different type of fuel, that's a second type of fuel, a fuel which never turned into coal. And there's a third type of fuel which is called kash or gvava, hay and Uh, straw etc fuel which literally just burns itself out and turns into nothing that's the third type of fuel which doesn't even really flame it flames for a few seconds and has very little heat to it that's the third type of fuel a fuel called castric rubber. the main fuel which which was used was fuel which turned into coal and that's really what we're discussing here the other fuel castric rubber, the middle fuel was rarely used and therefore we don't discuss that. The fuel which doesn't turn into coal is not talked about. What's talked about is fuel that turns into coal and fuel like Kashuk rubber that was rarely used. It was used just to keep the food hot for a short while. It wasn't really used to cooking at all because the straw would just burn itself out very quickly and didn't really have the power and the heat to be able to cook. So those are the three types of fuels that they were in the, in the time of Khazal. We are discussing... The heat that we're discussing is the fuel which turns into coal and the fuel which burns itself out, does not turn into coal, the was a fuel that was never used really for cooking, only for heating. In modern day terms, all our ovens and our cookers, as I said to you, is, uh, is equal to the oven, the kira that we're discussing in Chazal, and the fuels that we are, co- we are comparing is a gas oven, for instance, or an electric oven. Any oven that you can move up or down is, an, is comparable to coal, because coal was put in the oven, and every so often you'd come to stoke the oven to, stoke the coal to get the lame burning again so you would raise the heat level inside the oven by stoking the coal. and thirdly you have the kasukrava. that's a type of a heat that was, was never really used for cooking it was just used to retain the heat in the food kasukrava, that's similar to what we would call a hot plate in modern day terms a heat which is not really used for cooking and yes there are some hot plates that do cook but without going into detail the simplest hot plate really simple ones the ones you buy in John Lewis which you can't cook on they, they are comparable to a heat source of kashog a heat which you can't really cook on, it's just a retaining heat. So those are the five levels of food, and the three, perhaps two, we'll call it two now, two levels of heat that we're going to discuss in the halakhas of Shahir. So now you can imagine you're in your kitchen, and you have in front of you a cooker with a gas or a heat source which can be raised or lowered, which is comparable to coal. You have all different types of food: foods which are raw, foods which are cooked, foods which are Fully cooked stomach virale, foods which are fully cooked and stomach Viralo. All this is going to take place Friday afternoon, a few minutes before Shabbos, and you want to know what can I place on where, and what can I leave on where, and how do I go about preparing my food, keeping it hot for Shabbos. So, to get down to the halakha, now that we have the background to, to the different, the different um, foods and fuel, we have to discuss how it all applies in halakha. Now, of course, nothing is straightforward in halakha, and in halakha there are two opposing views of what one is allowed to do. And again, what the halakha is, is again two opposing views. So we'll break it down as simply as we can into the different views, and I'll explain to you what we do do, the and that which we do with the Everett the because they are both really correct in halakha. So we need to learn both. I know it's confusing, but we need to know both, because they are both applicable, and then we'll break it down to what one should do ideally, and what one can do in a, in a, in a situation of the Ever. So let's take the first shifta, which is the most strict. Shittah, and that's really what we try to keep to if we can and that, that's the first shita which is mentioned in the Mechaber with respect to placing and keeping a pot on the flame before Shabbos and just taking it off on Shabbos as needed we are not discussing the Halakos of Chazor we are not discussing
1: any other, any other scenario besides
0: placing your pot on the flame and leaving it there until you're going to take it off and use it the, the situation in your kitchen will change as we go through the weeks And we learn the halachas of Hazara and halachas of Atman, etc. Different situations will require a slightly different kitchen, a different heat source, a different way of sorting out the problem. But for this week we are discussing the basic halacha of shihir, of retaining your pot on the stove, and how one can do it with derecheta. So the first shittim in the Mechabe is as follows. Food which has been completely cooked. Right? So the, the category of a food which is completely cooked and continuous cooking wouldn't be beneficial for it. So a food which is completely cooked and to continue cooking it would be mitz- stomach virale would not be beneficial for that food. That top, that top shill can be left on the, on the open stove without any worry. You have no problem at all. There's nothing to worry about. You're not going to stoke the flame because you don't want it to shrink even more. You want it to remain as close to the level of complete cooking that's possible. You don't want it to cook further, really. You're just putting it on the flame to retain its heat. We have no worry here that you're going to stoke the flame. It's not going to happen. So in that case, Hazal said you can place the pot straight on the stove. You don't need any, any, anything else. Nothing else has to come into play. Just place the, the pot on the stove, and that's fine. So your roast chicken, which if you kept it on the stove, would be in the stomach morale. You do not need to do anything. Just leave the pot on the, on, the, on the flame, and that would be fine. If you... No, Chazal would never worry that you are try to lower, because in the time of Chazal, you couldn't lower a flame. Right? You couldn't really. The flame would automatically go out, would lower itself. The coals would just burn away. So there was no worry of lowering the flame. The only worry Chazal ever had was that you were going to stoke the coals to raise the flame. So you'll see, as we go through that law, because any situation that there's no worry that you're going to raise the flame is mutter. So you can place your roast chicken... We're, we're going to come to that in a minute. We haven't discussed that the, the, the way around it. Now, any situation that you're not worried that you're going to stoke the flame, that means in modern day terms, raise the gas, is mutter. So, mitzvah complete completely cooked food, but the extra cooking is not beneficial for the food.
1: We have no worry
0: that you're going to stoke the flame. That's completely mutter.
1: Totally raw
0: meat. Now, not everything raw goes under this category, but totally raw meat, a food which takes time to cook. Right. So, if you had a, a raw meat takes 2-3 hours to cook to put it on just before Shabbos so it's completely raw when you place it on there's no worry here that you're going to stoke the flame because you're anyway not going to have this food ready for tonight's meal so there's no need for you to stoke the flame for the food to cook quicker you only want it for tomorrow morning of course because it's going to take a long time to cook so since it's going to take a long time to cook Hazal said we don't worry that you're going to stoke the flame you can place a totally raw that totally raw meat or food that takes a long time to cook can be placed directly on the flame and left there before Shabbos of course if you did it on Shabbos you'd be over skila
1: left there without any worries at
0: all no problem we, have, we are not worried you're going to stoke
1: now a raw
0: meat doesn't have to be a pot just a raw meat you can have your chalant and a minute before Shabbos place in a raw piece of meat then you can leave it on your flame without any worries at all because because there is a raw piece of meat in there you're not going to eat that shalom Friday night there's no doubt about it because you're going to wait till the meat cooked properly therefore the whole cup
1: has the a lot of raw
0: and therefore you can leave it on your, on your flame without any worries we are not worried you're going to stoke because you're definitely not going to eat it until tomorrow morning sorry with liquid in it as well it makes no difference we will discuss all the different differences of, of dry and liquid at this, at this point in time there is no difference at all so we
1: clear? Without
0: a blech. <laughs> we, we will, I'm not telling anybody to throw your blech out. <laughs> you will find by the time we finish the shurum that you will need your blech. <laughs> you will not turn it out because Chazal say that the, the mentality of a person is that you only stoke the flame if you want it to cook quicker. If you don't want it to cook quicker, there's no need for you to cook quicker. You're not going to eat it until tomorrow morning. There's not, nothing to worry about. No, yeah. Chazal will never worried about because a person never lowered the flame in the time of Chazal. Ah,
1: this,
0: so we, we're not Mukhrizi <laughs> from an Chazal. Right? We're not looking for khumrs here. We're trying, to, we're trying to just understand what Chazal, sorry? <laughs> you could be, but that's not one of Chazal's worries. Chazal so was worried that you would raise the flame in order to cook quicker. That's all the Chazal. To You're not allowed to lower flame no. You'd be over skill if you lowered the flame. But we're not worried that you might inadvertently do it. That's what we mean. Chazal said, if you place a pot on the, on the fire, we are worried that inadvertently, you come into the kitchen and you're worried and you look at the food, you see it's not cooking well, so you'll just raise the flame. That's the natural instinct of, a, of someone who's cooking. That's what they will do. They will raise the flame. So any situation that that might come to play, Chazal said, we can't, we can't allow that. If that's definitely not going to happen, where the instinct is not going to be to turn the flame up, Chazal said, it's motor. So, a food which is completely cooked and extra cooking is, not, is going to be my stomach virally, not beneficial, there's no worry. Food which is raw, you're not going to be able to eat soon, there's no worry. Vegetables, for instance, where even if they're raw, but don't take very long to cook, then that's different. And those vegetables you're placing on just before Shabbat, even raw, but you intend to eat them at your Friday night meal, that, that, that type of food, you can't leave on your thing, because then you're worried, you'll come just before the meal, you realize they're not quite cooked yet, and you'll raise the gas a little bit, so we have a worry Shem
1: A black is a completely different
0: story, we'll, come to, we'll discuss what black is in a minute. We are talking about without a black. we're talking about on the gas, no coverings, nothing, just straight on your flame. So if you have your talent with your, put a raw chicken in, just before Shabbos, or a raw piece of meat before Shabbos, theoretically, that would be fine. So our, again, as I said you, we are talking about purely the halacha of Shehia, as we progress through the Shurim we will discuss the, the, the different halachas. in the time of Chazal meat took a long time to cook roasting meat to roast the meat is different roasting meat is much quicker to roast the meat Chazal said you can't leave just before Shabbos because that would that would take doesn't take very long to cook and then again you might stoke the flame but cooking meat Chazal said that takes a long time in the time of Chazal it took a long time and therefore they allowed a raw piece of cooked meat now the fact that today we have gases which are perhaps hotter and and pots which uh, which uh, I don't know magnify the heat etc and uh, um, all modern contraptions that doesn't change the halakha right, so those two situations, we can leave the gas the, the problem on the fire, let's just move through the next, the next few, the next few scenarios um,
1: how many hours do it have to be if
0: to? R- well, again, that's a colleagues in the Hanukkah, but we're talking about food that definitely won't be ready for you to eat Friday night yeah, family, for, um, just, just before Shabbos, and you, We're not worried about somebody eating after the Friday night meal. No, we're not worried about that. We're worried about only food that you need for your Friday night meal. So somebody might come and eat late Friday night, it's an unusual. It's unusual. Eating, cho- eating challenge Friday night after the meal is unusual. I'm sure you all cook very well and therefore there's no need to eat challenge Friday night. Uh, we weren't worried about that at all. And meant it's, it's quite clear in this, that uh, we're talking about the Friday night meal. Okay,
1: okay let's uh, move, on, move down, down the categories. food which is fully cooked
0: but the longer you cook it, the better it's going to become so then we have a worry that you'll want it to cook better to improve the food that type of food cannot be kept on an open flame on placed there before Shabbos and left on Shabbos that's called shahir, that would constitute the issa of shahir leaving food which is going to improve this is called to the first lesson, right? Where this is the first shittah, this is the most strict shitter. Food which is going to improve, you cannot leave on um, an open flame. Fru- food which is not fully cooked, right? It's, it might be Kamarka soy even, but it's not fully cooked. It hasn't reached the level of complete cooking, completely cooked. That, again, you might stoke the flame to get it to the level of being completely cooked. So therefore, I were worried that you might stoke the flame. You cannot leave that pot on the fire. Food which is... Now, but all this is talking about a flame that we worry that you might come to stoke. Now, if we could create a flame which can heat, but we know for sure that you're never going to come to stoke it, then again, everything would become with So now, what Chazal told us is there's two ways. Now, let's go back to the fuel of Chazal. You have this coal inside your oven and you're not allowed to leave your pot on top because you might come to stoke the fuel. So what did Chazal say? There's two ways you can get around the worry of stoking your fuel. One is to remove the coal almost all the coal before Shabbat, so you still have the heat of the coal in the oven, because so the oven retains heat for a long time, you'll have the heat of the coal, but you haven't got the coal there, there's no worry that you're going to come to stoke, or, if you took earth, and you placed earth on top of the coal, so that would blank, that would like, act like a blanket, it would dampen the level of fire that, 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 that's, that's on the coal, again, that shows us that your intention is not to stoke, then said so we're not worried that you might come to stoke, and that's where the blech, comes in. What the black does is, and it's supposed to do, the black is a little bit of a bone of contention, but it's already, it's been accepted in Christ. So what the black does is, it's supposed to act as a blanket, like this earth on top of the coal, to dampen the, the, the flame of the fire, and then it's a sign that even though you're keeping your pot on there, there's no worry, you don't intend to come and stoke, you know that you're not going to stoke, you've dampened, the, you've made the flame less in effect, and therefore we don't worry that you're going to come to and therefore we allow you to leave your pot on the flame even if it's only partly cooked or even if it's going to improve as you, as you complete the cooking we allow you to leave it there because they're not worried that you're going to come and stoke. So that's the first shitter. We're going to have to stop here because it's really complicated. I don't want to move on to the next shitter tonight because we'll just turn this all upside down. We'll do chazara the first shitter next week and move on to the next shitter. So let's just run through that again. Please don't do any changes in your kitchen this Friday night. Leave things as they are. You will see everything will fall into place over the next few weeks. So if you have a fuel that can be raised, a fuel that's normal to be used for cooking, which is any gas, electric gas, Uh, ceramic carpet any any type of modern day fuel which cooks to place on it a pot of food which there's a worry that you might come to stoke the flame which means to raise the flame that Chazal said is also so therefore any type of food that you're not not worried or any fuel that you you can't come to stoke or you won't come to stoke then you are allowed to place your pot on the flame so a pot which is completely cooked but it's the extra cooking is non-beneficial we're not worried you're going to come to stoke Food which is completely raw, can't be used till well after, well past the Friday night meal. We're not worried you're going to come to Stoke. That's completely mutter. Food, by the extra cooking is beneficial to it. So we are worried that you might come to Stoke. On an open fire, that would be ossa. Food which is partially cooked, hasn't reached yet the level of dispassal colt sarkoi. But it's cooked, partially cooked so that it would finish cooking before the in my meal. So we are worried that you might come to stoke it. That would be us, sir. A fuel that we are clear that you're not going to stoke is a fuel that's either been removed or covered. Covered doesn't just mean a plain cover. It really means covering with earth, which dampens the, the, the flame, which in modern-day terms accepted now, though it's not clear why technically it does constitute uh, a cotton, but a blech is considered the flame dampened, covered. That's... Therefore, a fuel that you won't come to be mechata, and therefore we allow on that flame. We allow you to leave, even raw vegetables, even raw vegetables, yes, even raw vegetables, even raw water. Now, even unboiled water, plain boiled water, you can even, even though you can't leave unboiled water placed up on a on a open pot before Shabbos, because water is something that you can use and is beneficial when it's cooked. And if we are worried that you might come to, stoke it. But if you put on a black, that's completely mutter. We will go through different f- foods and different categories and different examples as we, as we move through the year. But as I say, you can see it's complicated, and it's so important. Let's just stick to the, to the rules, and after the rules, we'll come back down to place the rules into, into different scenarios. So that's the first shittah. We haven't finished yet even the of Shia. That's the first shittah, which is mentioned in the That's the shittah that we keep to ideally, the most important shit because it's the shitter that we keep to ideally and we do not allow l'chathchila unless it's a bediever, we do not allow any food to be placed on an open fire unless it's in the stomach of a and unless it's in spatial unless, and, 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 uh, unless it's completely raw any other food, which can be cooked and will be used for that fried in our meal, and it's in, or it's in the stomach of a so it can be used and it, the extra cooking is beneficial, is not, is not permitted to be placed on an open flame, unless you dampen the, the power of the heat you remove some of the, the, some of the flame by removing the coals or by, by covering up with earth which in modern day terms is left only then can you place and leave through the Friday night so that's the beginning of Hilchah Shia and it will take us quite a long time to get through the halachas of Shia and Hazara. they are complicated but we will get there so if you can remember this for next week Mr Hashem we will for two weeks time we will be able to move on to the next halachas just to finish off very briefly with a short devate a very short devate there's a beautiful medrash at the beginning of this week's sedra. Very beautiful medrash, where the medrash explains, the medrash describes the mitzvah mm-hmm. of after the mikdash was shachamti b'serachu, the Hakadosh Baruc commanded to make a base for the mikdash, so Yeshchina would have a place in the physical world, the world that we live in, to reside. And the medrash, I'll read you on the medrash. It really is beautiful. The medrash says like this: "Om Hakadosh Baruc, Hakadosh Baruc says to Kalishol, 'Atem tsoreinai, you are my sheep. La mi raya I am your shepherd. Shenema, the etein tsorei itzorein. The apostle tells us, 'The etein tsorei itzorein. I will give to my sheep flock, which.'" which is the description of Kalisol as as the sheep of Akharishborohu, Mar isi Adam Atem, the Ani Hazino. is described as a as a shepherd. So that's what says Akhishbok to Kalisol, I am your shepherd, you are my sheep, I am your shepherd, Afud
1: <speaking in Hebrew> make a pen, la for
0: your shepherds. She so you always come, the year ask and you. Look after you. Therefore, I ask you to make a base of so I, your shepherd, can come down and look after my flock. And the Midrash continues and says, "Kerem, you are Tzaliyisol compared to a vineyard. Shenema Kikaram Hashem Smakri is based Tzaliyisol. describes describes Tzaliyisol as a vineyard. Rani Sheme, I am the God of the vineyard. Shenema Hine LeYomem V'Lo Yishon Sheme soil. So, so Ibrahim said to Khalisal, Since I am the guard of you, the guard of the vineyard, Asu Sukkah, make a temporary hat, the for the God Shayishmoy Eskam. So he'll be able to guard you. So that's the second comparison and the second
1: analogy of Hakurish Baku
0: to Kalishol. The first one is Hakash Baku is called a raya, a shepherd, the second one is called a god. And finally the magistrate is the third analogy, Akam Banim, Bani You are my sons. And I am your father. The Prophet says, You are And the passage also says, father. So you are my sons. I am your father. It's an honor for the sons to be next to the father. The covered la'av is an honor for the father when he is in close contact with his sons. So therefore, make a house the, the Yishre Echelbonot. Make a house so the father can come and live next to the stones of Kachnema, but also the Kachnemah, of the Therefore the player commanded, Hashem commanded Kodeshel, build near Migdos. So we see that the base of Migdos has three facets to it, three elements to
1: go hand in hand
0: with these three, three analogies of Hakodesh Borch. HaKadosh Borch HaKadosh is compared to a Shema, to a god, he's compared to a reyer, to a shepherd, he's compared to a father of children. There's a fundamental difference between a guard, a roya, a shepherd, and a father. A uh, guard is really... There's a, a connection between the guard and the person the, 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 the guard is guarding. The security guard of the queen or the king is in close contact with the king, but it, they're really disconnected. He's there just to prevent the negative from approaching, he's not there really as a positive influence, a guard is someone who's preventing the negativity from, whatever it may be, physical negativity, spiritual negativity, from entering the person that he's guarding, and that's one element of a Baruch Hu, HaKadosh is a shame, he's there just as a guard, so we have a connection with a Baruch Hu at, at that level, that is a, le- a connection of, us uh, to a guard. It's not a very close connection. There's another level called a roya, a shepherd. A shepherd is much more than a god. A shepherd takes the sheep to his pasture. It takes the sheep for, to, to find food. A shepherd is there to feed the sheep, to feed the flock. He's a much more positive connection than a shema. A shema is just the negative. The roya is much more positive. The roya is there to actually feed, to give life to the sheep. And finally, the greatest connection of all that uh, two people can have is that of a father and a son. A Kodesh compares himself to a father when we are the sons of a Kodesh That's the closest connection that a person can have. And then med- the Medrash says, Asubayit, make a permanent structure for me to be able to, me a to, be able to reside next to my children. The Shem Mishmul says this Medrash really describes the three parts of the Beis HaMikdash. The outer part, the Chasta of the Beis HaMikdash is where the Kabbalists are brought. The Kabbalists, is there as the Taser tells us that the Kabonis are there to protect Khali But Khadisrol bringing Kabonis that enabled Akash Prabhup to protect Khadisrol, they should they should come to no harm, no physical harm, no spiritual harm. That was the level of Shoyme Yisroel. That's the Chotseh, the most extreme, the outside part of the base of The connection is slightly less, slightly distance, more 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 apart. That's the outside part of the base the chotter that's the Shaime Yisroel. You then have to move into the Heichel, where we have the Menorah and the Shulchan. The Menorah gives life, the Shulchan gave, gave bread. That's the part which is the Raya, which feeds khalisol. That's the second analogy of HaKadosh Voha being a, a shepherd to his the, the flock. That's the Heichel. That's the level of connection that khalisol has through the Heichel. And finally, the, the, the Tejish Kedoshim, which is the Oran, and the Torah the, the, uh, inside the Oran, the Luchas inside the Oran, and the Kafoyas and the, and the krivin where the Shechina actually spoke to Meishabbeinu. That's the level of connection between a father and a son that's when the connection to Kali Yisrael and HaKashbosh is the closest that's the Kedush Kedoshim and the Shemesh continues and he says that's the three different types of y- days kod, the, the holy days that we have in the cycle of the year we have Kedush, which is the lowest level of Kedusha Kedush, where Molochah is still mutter, completely mutter and that's the level where we bring a, soy, a hatos, and the purpose of the soy, hatos, is to protect Kali Shor, to remove all sin from Kralishol and to protect Kailashal. That's the day of Rosh Chedesh. Rosh represents the level of HaKadosh of the Vashayma. We then move from Rosh to Tov. All the three Shalish Regolins. There are three Shalish Regolins. These are, are much more Yom Kaddish. There elements of Malach which are after It's a closer connection. Every Tov has something which gives Kailashal its life. Pesach is the Tov of Torah we bring the, the kuyum, which is the fruit the Yom of the Teh which gives us life and Sukkot is the Yom of the water where we are judged on, on Mayim
1: that's also life the three Yom Tov
0: represent the Raya of HaKadosh Baruch the connection that HaKadosh Baruch has as being, to HaKadosh Baruch has to being a Raya a shepherd that's the Yom Tov and finally we come to Shabbos we'll start with the Lam Thessalon of the Shabbos. we can't go by without mentioning Shabbos Shabbos is the connection to HaKadosh Baruch of a father to a son Shabbos is about all malachas, not as though all the physical world is completely detached. We are there, connected to our Kodeshwatu, like a father is connected to his son. The more we keep the halakha of Shabbos, as one should, the more we know the halakha, the more we understand the halakha, and we can keep Shabbos to its perfection, it we'll be Zoicha, so as Kazal says, if we keep one Shabbos, Kalashemi Shabbos, Ishtesh Shabbos, which is in the Mephashim explained can even mean one Shabbos, if we keep one Shabbos correctly, perfectly, without anybody being Mechal Shabbos, we'll be Zoicha Beth to so that true connection that we all long for, that be it our girls and here be are. Amen, Amen.